Welcome to Church Unboxed, where we tackle the topics that most Christians are sometimes too scared to talk about. Each week, together with guests, I'll be uncovering issues that have been swept under the rug and listening to people who not only have inspiring stories, but in many cases are the voice of the voiceless. I'm your host, Sarah Tabo, worship leader, singer, and songwriter. Welcome, my guest this week, Andy Flanagan. Andy's a former doctor a singer-songwriter and political activist. He's less ginger than Ed Sheeran, but certainly more Irish. (laughs) A housewife's favourite and a thinking man's Ronan Keaton, Andy can be found in UK churches, the sweatshops of Bangladesh and the House of Parliament lobbying for social change. Thank you so much uh, for joining us, Andy. Your bio says a whole lot in a few sentences. I'm really excited about having (laughs) this conversation with you today. Um, lovely, the, lovely to meet you, sir. Lovely yes, to meet you. Yes, indeed. And I know they say it isn't very British to talk about religion and or politics, but you actually do both. Um, and on, on, apart from all these interesting and possibly technical conversations that you have, just a kind of icebreaker for you. If you had to go on a holiday, would you prefer a beach holiday, a safari holiday or a, a forest holiday? What would be your preference? Oh, definitely a forest holiday, especially during lockdown. I have fallen in love with trees. I mean, just they're the most beautiful things. They're the most, just the detail in every leaf. And some of them are just so tall and they give us shade, they give us oxygen. Yeah. uh, I have just been so thankful for trees during during this time the beauty the ornate beauty of them just the wonder Mm. the the genius of of god's creativity i believe you know really um and how many there are so many different ones you know you just look even in one piece of view so i I went for a cycle earlier on this afternoon and and i looked down across a a field um and with a whole set of trees and just even in that one that one little area there must have been three three hundred four hundred trees and i'm like i'm I'm probably not going to meet any only like maybe 10 or 15 of those three or 400 trees and that's just one little corner yeah. of one little field. and look how many of these there are all across the world and like what an incredible design to have these things that stand there that Absolutely. purify our air and pump out oxygen out and gosh we need them more than ever with the state of our atmosphere at the moment so oh yeah so definitely forest and then the truth is what maybe your listeners will not see so easily for me is that i am a what you might call a factor 45 Irishman with factor 45 Irish skin. So <laughs> me getting shade from trees is very important and me running miles <laughs> from a beach or a safari where I will just wilt in the sun and I will burn. Oh, so that's dear. the other reason. That's such an easy question. It has to, to make sense, doesn't it? At the end of the day. But no, honestly, nature makes you wonder and it does make you worship when you think about, you know, the wonderful works of our of our loving father. He really puts thought into everything he does. It's really cool. Incredible. And yeah. it's the extravagance. It's the extravagance. There's no need for there to be 400 trees in the corner of that field. There could just be a few. You know, it's, the, you know there's no need for there to be so many species of insect, but there are hundreds and thousands. You it's know, beautiful. There's no, it's all far beyond functionality. It's, it's, it's beauty as well as functionality. Yeah, that just blows me away. Absolutely. No, that's really good to hear. But what is it that makes you a housewife's favorite? I'm really intrigued <laughs> to find out. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't believe I can't believe that somebody <laughs> wrote that in a bio once and it's somehow still on the internet, which is so painful. I used to basically get a lot of abuse from uh, the guys I lived with. I lived with in a house when I lived in Luton the first time around. Um I lived with some dear friends, but the sort of friends who 
are more than happy to rib you constantly and write things that well they will put online. To oh my goodness! And it, it basically, I was living with them at a time when um, a certain Christian radio stations that shall remain unnamed were playing my songs a lot and they noted that they were playing playing them in the morning quite a lot <laughs> and that there were lots of uh, shall we say women of a certain age ringing in and really enjoying these songs and so this little moniker emerged Andy Flanagan the housewife's favorite oh lord um, and uh, yeah it was it wasn't you know it's not the favorite strap line that I've ever had I don't think uh, yeah. so, but I don't think it's going well, anywhere anytime soon. It doesn't wild. seem like no, well, it. Yeah, the other, the other one, they, while, while we're sort of washing our dirty laundry in public, the other one they came up with during that time was um, middle-aged folk for the next generation. That was, that was, that was the top <laughs> line for my music. Middle-aged folk for the next generation. Oh, and, you know, and, and much as I didn't love that, there is something about that that is actually rings true. That yeah. Truthfully, that is what I'm about. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, as long as you find your your path, stick yeah. with it. I've, I've, I've embraced I've embraced my middle agedness. I'm not trying yeah. to be cool anymore. I've no. I've long given up trying to be cool. Oh joy, it's really really cool. I love that story. That's a really good um, conversation starter. But, but <laughs> <laughs> talking about the meat of the conversation, though, I mean, as somebody who's connected with politicians um, in various spheres, various countries, I would imagine, how is the church viewed at Westminster? Um, I think more than you might expect through what you mm. see in the media that our politicians our members of parliament actually know where the juice is flowing in their constituencies mm. they know very well who is running the food banks who is doing most of the youth work who is mm. looking after the mums and toddlers who is doing the debt counseling the members of parliament know that because they're often asked to come to open these centers or to be involved and they often get referral letters from these projects and programs that are going on so so Members of Parliament in the UK are very well aware, far better aware than the mainstream media, actually, mm. um, of how active and how vital the church is in so many corners of the UK, actually holding some societies together where, you know, cuts to services have made, meant that there are very few uh, yeah. governmental services there anymore. And so, so they're incredibly thankful and actually trying to work together a lot of the time. Uh, with those folks and you know the, the when you when you talk to those you know have the privilege of talking to those mps around parliament they are incredibly thankful for that work and very affirming of that work mm-hmm. um, and, and i think as christians we need to be very careful before we get into a kind of a persecution silo mentality that actually you know we can't be there and everybody's against us and and uh, you know and you know there are times when politicians say and do things that, that are what you might call uh, you know religiously illiterate you know not understanding mm. uh, what the church is actually about and misrepresenting what the church is about and god mm-hmm. there are plenty of examples of that as well nobody's trying to pretend that's not the case as well yeah, yeah. But, but you've got to see the, the firm foundation of the incredible witness of the church in the uk it gives gives us a platform to speak from whether people want to hear it or not it gives us a really incredible platform to speak mm. and it's, it's interesting because linking into my next question from what you've just said we sometimes hear about politicians professing faith but rarely do they actually speak openly about it do you do you know why that is because i'm sure there are christians in politics but people don't even actually know who's a christian within the, the political yeah. sphere well i mean many do i mean you know you'll not be surprised to know as i work with christians in politics and christians in parliament that many of the politicians do openly profess their faith so you just mm. look at the national prayer breakfast 
that this year was online again, but that just happened last week. And, you know, there was a montage of many, 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 many Christian parliamentarians, MPs and peers, um, all mm. praying a prayer together, all sharing some readings together, reading bits of scripture together, you know, in a very public way. So again, I would say don't necessarily believe the hype that folks aren't prepared to go public with their faith because mm. probably even just in that one event, there were probably about 30 uh, Christians going very public with their faith. And then there are obviously there are certainly more who who have a faith, but who, I guess, strategically know that uh, there can be a lot of misunderstanding when they are very public that, you know, I think there's a lot of read across from the United States where people have a fear that people just use faith as a way to get votes. And yeah. very, people are very keen to not be seen to be doing that. And mm. therefore, at times, even though often their faith will be driving their policy and driving the way that they do their job, yeah. uh, they won't want to be sort of wearing it like a rosette. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah. And then and then there are a lot of times, you know, to, to tell both sides of the story, there are other uh, politicians who, who would profess a faith. And then I'll see what way they're voting on certain issues and I'll be going, Mm. How how does that add up? How does that add up? You know, you know, mm. that's that's when you know it's really good to be able to be there to have the conversations to ask folks and say, look, okay, you know, that's why it's great that we have the Bible studies and the worship and the prayer gatherings in Parliament, where where we can help, you know, educate and we can grapple with, mm. you know, if if this is what you believe, if this if this is what Scripture says, if this is um the sort of theological roots of some of how we live together as a society, then that has mm -hmm. some implications for how they we then treat each other. That has some mm -hmm. implications for for legislation, you know, such as yeah. you know today the 0.7 percent, uh, you know, uh, uh, international the Department for International Development that you know that being merged with. Uh, the, the foreign office and and you know reducing that 0.7 percent that we've traditionally given in overseas aid and that changing and you know there so there are there are major implications of something like that and that we mm -hmm. want the we want the folks who, who do profess a faith to grapple with that and say well okay so how can how can you vote for that if you think this now you know and and there will be christians on either side of many of those discussions but it's really important that we do uh you know actually bring the theology and policy together so that yeah. sort of folks can't just say, well, okay, no, you know, I, I leave my faith at the door. <laughs> you know, this that, is that, it, that yeah. Can't be true, you know, and it's all about, you know, that kind of privatizing a faith. That that can't be the case. So, and that, that's why we're there. That's why Christians in politics does what it does mm. to try and train people to be able to integrate their faith and their politics. Yeah. So you, you, um, your bio obviously describes you as somebody who's often in Parliament lobbying for social change and just. Tell us a bit more about what it is that you do specifically and also how Christians in politics kind of runs people who might be interested in knowing more about your, you know, your work and maybe even joining and people who have passion yeah. for this, but don't know the first thing about how to go about, you know, stepping out of, you know, the desire to actually acting and, and taking on yeah. politics as a well, Christian. I think it's really important. Your, your your point is so important. And, you know, I'd love it if anybody was listening to this would, would get in touch with us. It's yeah. just www.christiansinpolitics.org.uk or mm -hmm. info at christiansinpolitics.org.uk. Get in touch with us. There are folks all over the country who are being trained up in, in, in getting involved and who are just sticking their necks out and becoming local councillors, becoming school governors who are serving locally. So often when we yes. think politics, we think of the soap opera of Westminster, but actually the bigger opportunities for Christians to serve are as local councillors and, and local political parties are crying out for believers to get involved. Their, their numbers are dwindling. They want energy. And I, I often say to people, if, if you go to a local political party meeting and you turn up on time, 
and you do what you say you were going to do before the next meeting. If you bring biscuits, if you bring even a shred of positivity or creativity to that meeting, you're straight away in the, like the top 5% of, of local political office. Wow. You shine, you shine. And you know, all the stuff we were talking about earlier about that the church is involved with means that folks from churches are actually better place than most people in their community to represent their community because they know the issues and the challenges from right. actually serving in those sort of projects on the front line. And, and then also, I still believe in the person of the Holy Spirit. I mm -hmm. see people shining when people step forward. I see people shining. You know, I get emails from folks who aren't believers saying, oh, you know, your friend Sarah came and campaigned in my in my constituency. And there's just there's just something about her. Mm. There's just, I hear that again and again. There's just something about her. Mm -hmm. and, it's, you know, and it's the spirit and people shine. And so we've, we've no need to sort of step back and imagine there's some sort of glass ceiling. Time and time again, you see believers step forward uh, to be involved in politics locally. And, and straight away, this wonderful lady called Andrea Robinson from Doncaster. Um, she read the book uh, that I wrote called Those Who Show Up. Uh, which is just a, you know a call, the biblical call to get involved in politics and in public life, and um, and literally she the next week she thought I need to I need to join my local party. She went to the local party meeting. They really liked her. She really liked them. They asked her to be the vice chair. A few months later, they asked her to stand. And so, like literally six months later, she was uh, a councillor representing her area of Doncaster. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. in the course of the last two years, she's been doing an incredible job coordinating so much of what the church is doing. And mm -hmm. what Council's trying to do there, being an incredible witness, mm. and you know, so this sort of stuff is is possible, and and it's my role as you know leading Christians in politics to help mm. all those folks who are who are doing that to bring them together and resource them and support them and network them together because politics can be uh, a toxic place. And it can be yeah, a lonely place. Yeah. Um, and you need the support of other believers who are also involved. So that's what we're there to do, to bring those believers together so they can mutually support one another. They mm -hmm. can challenge one another, hold each other accountable, and they can grapple with some of the challenges and the policy challenges and the integrity challenges that inevitably come when mm -hmm. you're involved. And I think that's really good because what it means is the more Christians we have in politics, the less likely the Christian voice is to be muted. Because I don't know about you, but I've I've kind of felt that like the Christian voice has been muted over the last few years on specific topics where you speak up, then you get cancelled. Um, but I feel like the more Christians we have in politics, the less likely potentially we have to see that. I don't know what your take is on that, because we have this cancel culture where if you stand for certain worldviews, you know, you just get cancelled effectively. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think over the years we have to be honest that uh, as Christians, we've done a fair share of cancelling as well. Um, those who have those who have, you know, done the sociological research about cancel culture. And, right. you know, and again, a lot of it has come across from the States, but um, a lot of folks would say that those who are now on the more progressive side of the uh, political spectrum have learnt cancel culture from, from the church on the right-hand side of the spectrum, okay. that actually there was that kind of, there was that, uh, you know, that, 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 that they would say that it's been learned from that direction. So we need to be careful before we throw stones. That is that a very interesting perspective. We, we need to be really careful before we throw stones because, you know, the church doesn't have a great history of including people. It doesn't have a great history of, of you know, of isolating, of making, making examples of people and standing and making statements that are non-relational and saying, well, no, you can't come and be part of our thing. You know, so we, we do need, we need to be careful about that. And we need to be careful, again, as I said earlier, before we get on a, a persecution complex. You know, quite often when I'm, uh, you know, there are, you know, yes, we will, lots of people will disagree with us, but, you know, we don't get involved in this because we're going to be popular. You know, we're following this 
bloke called Jesus who got crucified. Oh yeah, and, and who, who told us that it was there was going to be a cross to carry. So I, I have no time when Christians say, "Oh, we can't get involved in politics because the culture is too toxic," or because we'll get cancelled. Well, you know that's that's the story. That's the story. You know we will we you know that will happen sometimes, and sometimes. Um, you know, we, we just need to walk in with grace because you, you got to remember the cancelling things never, uh, you know, it's it's become this thing to talk about cancel culture, but it just means somebody saying, well, we won't have you speak here, but there'll be 150 other places to speak. Absolutely. You know, I and, agree. And there's a hundred, there's 150 other websites to speak on, you know, you know, so, so this kind of, I think we get overly dramatic and we use it as an excuse to not get involved as believers. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, and, and we also think, you know, people will say to me, well, but Andy, you know, I'd love to get involved, but I feel like I'd be compromised. I'd be polluted by the system. Um, and then I sort of whisper back to them and I say, look, can I tell you a secret? You already are compromised. You oh, already wow. are polluted. You know, I could talk to you about your mortgage and how some of those investments are with in pretty ropey places. I could talk to you about your broadband. I could talk to you about the crystals in your mobile phone. I could talk oh, to God. you about all manner of things. I could talk to you about the supermarkets you shop in and how they're treating global and local producers. You know, oh, we dear. are part of a we are part of a fallen system. I could talk about the petrol that you put in your car that's supporting some shocking Middle Eastern states mm. that are that are oppressing Christians and women. You know, mm. I, we are part of a fallen system. So this this mm. idea that you know we've got to stay out of this particular area of it so we don't get polluted. It's, it's a nonsense. We are polluted. We are compromised. We we operate in this world, and um and and so the, the question is, what are you going to do about it? And are you going to be part of seeing it transformed, and not just individual lives transformed, but the systems and structures transformed as well? Um, you know, all of Scripture screams out that that God is passionate about seeing everything transformed. You know, the restoration, redemption, and reconciliation of all things to Himself. That's the big story that we're part of, and that involves institutions as well as people, and that involves legislation as well. Um, hmm. So, so you know, I um, I think the the call is to get involved. The call is to get involved, and you're you're never going to find the perfect party, just like you're never going to find the perfect church. Absolutely. You know? Well, 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 there is, there is one party, and I agree with one hundred percent of the policy. Which is that? But it's but it's called the Andy Flanagan Party, well, and it has, obviously. <laughs> and it has and it has only one member and sadly it's me. Oh, but you see that, that that is that is the sort of philosophical thick end of the wedge that we get to as believers. We we paint ourselves into a corner um until there's nowhere left to go and there's nobody left to go with. When actually the missional evangelistic adventure is is finding common cause with those who we don't agree with mm. everything on, that we'll find some common cause and we agree with some stuff. But there's obviously other stuff that wouldn't. Nobody agrees. Every party is a coalition of different people who. Uh, You're know, right. Agree with different, different yeah, yeah, yeah. And but we can find common cause, and that's where the adventure is, and that's where the missional adventure is, um, because you know it's not just about you know bringing what we hope are better policies and and better leadership and more integrity. It's actually just about being in those places that those places are not, as you said earlier, bereft of believers, so that there is this salt and light, and so that people Absolutely. actually can. You know, I, I people can smell Jesus from us. Mm, you know, people, this, this is about sharing life so that people come to know Him as well as come to know His ways. Yeah. Um, so, um, so that's why we need to be involved. That's why we can't just be shouting from a distance. That's why why we can't just be setting up Christian organizations all the time. We can't just be sending emails. We can't just be marching in protest on the street. We have to be. We have to be literally salt and light. You know, yes. you think about the, you know, and people. I've no time for people who say, but it's all too fallen, and yeah, but cancel culture. You know, you think mm. about the regime that Obadiah served in, 
you know, genocidal maniac he served. You know, you think about the, the regime that Daniel served in of Nebuchadnezzar. There's yeah. a thousand reasons to say let's run a mile from being part of that regime, yet people served because God called them to be involved and mm. be a witness in the midst of those places. So I think we just need to, I think we need to thicken our skin and soften our hearts sometimes. That and, is and really get, true. Get, get stuck in. I love that. Thicken our skin and soften our hearts. I'm definitely taking that away. That is the richest answer I've ever had to this sort of question because I've never seen it through this perspective. And I think now I actually want to start looking into politics more myself. I'm actually sold now. (laughs) I'm actually sold now. It was a really, really good answer, I have to say. And I'm suspecting people listening as well might actually have the same um, disposition as I'm having right now. Um, So one question I have for you, given that you're always lobbying for social change, you know, in Parliament and in other spheres, is is what are the issues on your heart at the moment, especially given COVID, given the recent, you know, um, developments that we've seen when it comes to racism in the UK? Um, mm. What do you feel are God's, what, what do you feel are the things on God's heart concerning, you know, social issues and social change, linking it into the political dis- discourse that we have going on as well? I think, I mean, gosh, I, we haven't time for me to go into all the things that, that, that I'm enough. passionate about from a policy yeah. point of view. I mean, I think I, I, maybe we could have a longer chat again, Sarah, sometime. We, maybe we could do this again and we'll dig into more stuff. Cool. I think the, the thing that I have seen uh, that folks in the church are waking up to across the UK in the course of the last two or three years is that for many people, politics has always been this kind of middle, what I would call a middle class soap opera. It's just an interesting thing to read about who's up, who's down. But the reality is for many people, their relative prosperity has insulated them from the impact of government decisions, to be honest. Mm. They've always had a huge impact on those who are at the bottom of the spectrum financially, but uh, but not not such a big, a big uh, impact on those who are kind of insulated from government decision making and and therefore politics has always been this kind of like this other thing it's you know it's interesting and there's a bit of scandal about it but you know it doesn't really hugely affect us but in the wake of brexit and in the wake of covid Mm. many more people in the church have woken up to say gosh it really does matter who leads Mm. us this really does matter because suddenly the decisions that politicians are making are not just uh, and not just like little tweaks around the edges of, of things. This is like people telling you whether you can leave your house or not. And this is, you know, in the scale of the stuff happening with Brexit is people, say, you know, talking about, you know, things that will really have a massive impact on, on how we travel and how we trade and, and how we do life Absolutely. and how people's businesses work. So people are waking up to the fact that it really does matter who leads us. And they're waking up to the fact that um, the sort of this, this kind of really unhelpful, uh, thread of thinking that again filtered a little bit across from the states which was you know whenever people were campaigning for president trump and they were saying like you know we're, we're electing a, a president not a pastor i heard that again and again and again from people making this kind of secular sacred divide which which ignores the fact that actually jesus cares just about much jesus cares just as much about how we do things as what we do yeah you're kingdom, right. the kingdom of of, of means and of ends and therefore the integrity and the ethics of those who lead us are really important now we've always known that to be true mm. it's, it's always important um to you know we only really follow people and trust people when we when we actually believe in their integrity yeah, and, right. and so that's been kind of always kind of important but when you have to believe the person who's telling you about life and death decisions and who's telling you to do something you really don't want to do, like stay at home for 12 weeks. You really need 
it's really it's life and death important as to whether you trust that person. For many that people, person yes. Has, that person has a history of telling the truth, or whether that person is famous for mm. actually, you know, not always mm. telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's shone a real light on the importance of the uh, the integrity issue, and that that has led to an awful lot of folks um, getting involved and getting connecting with Christians in politics because mm. the, light, the lights the lights have come on and mm. said, "Gosh, we can't sit by and just watch this anymore." Um, because it's actually had a direct impact on them, and, and they've heard some of the stuff that's been said, and they're going like, "That's, that's like, that's like, that's schoolboy. Uh, that's like that, that's school level uh, interaction, or that's you know, this is this is like we're getting bargain buck, bargain bucket leadership. You know, those who are used mm. to kind of good strategic leadership in their churches are listening to people talk and say, "God, this has been managed terribly." Yes, <laughs> you know, really? yes, and, yes, and, yes. And so, and 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 so those people, those sort of folks are. Are, are waking up and going, gosh, there's an awful lot of good strategic leadership that's all hidden away behind the firewall of the church that actually should be being allowed out into culture yes, to really transform yes. culture. Yeah, that's that's really good. And I think hopefully we begin to see more change and more Christians in politics off the back of the things that you're doing um, at Christians in oh, politics. Please, yeah. I, please, I will yeah. totally remind me of the website again, for those who are listening, www.christiansinpolitics.org.org. So please go check out the website and subscribe to their newsletter. I'm going to do that myself because I want to keep hearing all these good news yeah. and potentially do something with you guys as well. Um, thank you so much for your time, Andy. It's been really, really all, insightful. Sir. I really wish we could go a bit longer, but I'm sure we'll That's probably great. have you again. Well, Maybe, maybe we can talk again and we can talk more about music because you know the other half yes, of my life is all the music I didn't get to talk about the music at all that's yeah. alright that's alright but we, we Seek Your Kingdom is the song that Noel Robinson and I have written recently that's, that's been yes um, yeah, it's recently been number number one in the in the chart, and people are starting to use it everywhere. And that's an unashamedly political song. And so, yes. if folks are wanting to explore that stuff, this is a good way. That's a good way in as well. It's "We Seek Your Kingdom." Absolutely, I love the song. I've watched it on YouTube and I've ah, listened to great, it as well. Great. Yeah, great. perfect. No, thank you so much, Bless Andy. You. You've been listening to the Church on Box podcast with me, Sarah Tabor. If you'd like to share your thoughts on today's program, please visit the Church on Box Facebook group. I'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like to hear more about what I think about today's topic, go and sign up for our email list at www.churchonbox.net and we'll be in touch.